The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group, Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. Here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend. There is a season. Welcome once again to There Is A Season, the Bob and Gloria show, and the show that's all about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you for being with us this week. We encourage you, of course, to tell your family and friends about There Is A Season, because this is the only program that talks about all of the issues related to life change. We talk about aging. We talk about the care of our loved ones, and I think that makes us unique. It does. That covers a lot of ground. So listening in each week is important, but this show is also interactive. And if you'd like to be a part of things today, you can call us at 937-457-1290. That's 457-1290. You can also drop us a note at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Plus, we encourage you to check out the new website at thereisaseasonshow.com. Don't forget now the, the show part of the thereisaseasonshow.com. We often just call it There is a Season, but the whole website is thereisaseasonshow.com in the web address. It is, like many sites, a work in progress, but we have taken some steps to better organize our podcast for you. And uh, I think you'll like a lot, a lot of what you see out there. I think, Bob, that's a real help for people, indeed, because while some folks might want to refer a family member to a show from a week or so ago, It's also convenient to look through our various topic categories or even use the search function to find a program that we did on a particular subject. We've covered a lot of them from caregiving to health topics, from lifestyles and residential transitions to financial, legal and insurance stuff. So there's a lot on this site to enjoy and listen to and share. So go visit, of course, after this program. After this program, right. At There is a Season show. Right. And you'll see the shows in there by date or by category. Um, And like we've said before, we've got these topical categories. We we use that a little bit for some organization of our thoughts. We think that it will help a little bit in your searching for content. Um, This or that topic may overlap with some other category, or maybe sometimes we'll do a show that doesn't fit any of the categories down there. Uh, today might be that case, too, uh, because as we were researching and putting together our notes uh, for this program, we're bringing you a topic here that kind of straddles the line between our health and wellness bucket and also one of, you know, societal concern. You know, there's so, some impact here in society. Yeah, I mean, there might be a, just a little bit of a unknown, uncomfortable factor going on here, so... We're here to talk about it, inform people of some things they might not be aware of. So if you hadn't heard the news, here's the news. So this week, yes, the United States Department of Transportation announced this. Miniature horses are now included on the list of service animals, and airlines must allow them to fly. So unusual pets are fairly common sights at the airport these days, right? But due to recent crackdowns, not all of them make it past the security gate. Many airlines try to limit the animals that they allow in their cabin, right, Bob, to cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. But following new guidelines issued by the U.S. Department of Transportation, that list may soon get more diverse. It is now encouraging airlines, actually it will, will be expected of them, to accept miniature horses as legitimate service animals for flyers. Now, commercial airplanes are not exactly known for being spacious and you know comfortable you can't really kick back and you're lucky if you have room for your feet by the time you put your bag i was just especially if you're over five foot whatever seven then starts to get a little little tight there right Uh, and it might be the last place you expect to see a horse but miniature horses can provide essential services to people with disabilities and we'll talk more here in just a second about that uh let's say the person has a visual impairment or some mobility challenges even though they're not very common as household pets Miniature horses rank among cats and dogs as some of the most popular service animals. Who knew? 
So with this in mind, the Department of Transportation updated its guidelines on which species should be permitted to fly in the cabins of commercial planes. So their statement as of this week reads, After reviewing the comments on this issue, we believe that it would be in the public interest and within our discretionary authority to prioritize ensuring that the most commonly recognized service animals, dogs, cats, and miniature horses, are accepted for transport. Now, this doesn't mean that all airlines are now obligated to board therapy mini horses by law, but if they decide to ignore the new guideline, they could face a penalty. <laughs> which, which I think is Basically, yeah. they're obligated. Yeah, you're, you're right? not obligated, but we may fine you if you don't. Right. So. The document also doesn't say that every service animal that isn't a cat, dog, or mini horse should be rejected outright. Rather, every animal that's brought to an airline, whether it's a pig or peacock, should be considered on a case-by-case basis. Mm. The only creatures commercial flight companies are allowed to ban explicitly from flying with passengers are ferrets, rodents, snakes, reptiles, and spiders. So basically the policy is anti-ferret, anti-rodent, <laughs> anti-snake. There's going to be a protest Anti-reptile and anti-spider. Riotous crowds at all international airports across the country uh, soon. Things are going to be burned and signs are going to be waved. and Yeah. You know, it does give the whole, um, you know, when pigs fly, a whole new (laughs) meaning. We can't say that anymore. Oh, when pigs fly. (laughs) Because they can. Because (laughs) soon our little pot-bellied friends will be on planes with us. And, Mm. you know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a little skeptical here. So, so you know, we're, we're, there are certain things here we may take, you know, make make light of a few things here in this program. Not not all of it in its entirety. But right. let's talk a little bit about this, the whole service animal thing. Um, <clears throat> the formal definition flowed out of uh, verbiage that originally came out with the Americans with Disability Act of 2010. So that's been around for a while. And at that time, the ADA revised regulations that allowed miniature horses to be individually trained to work and perform tasks for a person with disabilities. At that time, they weren't necessarily thinking about airlines. But they did come up with this classification. And a service animal, quote unquote, is defined as an animal that is individually trained to do work or perform tasks for a person with a disability. In 2011, the only animal recognized as a service animal was... A dog. A dog. Rough, rough. Right. However, recently, these laws have changed to allow miniature horses to be trained to work and perform tasks for someone with a disability. These are new and separate provisions from the ADA, which allow both service dogs and service miniature horses to be recognized as service animals and to support a disabled person. Right. And so under the American with Disabilities Act, the new regulations state that places and policies that are already in place must now permit miniature horses, where reasonable, to be treated the same as dogs. Now, the miniature horses should be 24 inches to 34 inches in height, and their weight should be around 70 to 100 pounds. And there are four regulations that are provided by the ADA which work as assessment factors to determine where a miniature horse can enter a facility. These are going to be important, and they'll come up These later in our conversation. These are very important, so yes. So the first one would be whether the miniature horse is housebroken, right? That would be a good thing. I, I would think that would be a real big issue. All of these, yeah. if you think about it. The next one would be if the miniature horse is under control. We could say that about children. <laughs> I mean, are children they allowed? have safety issues, are, are, right? Uh, yeah, are children I, approved animals? Can, well, they must you? be some. Well, I'm not going to say much more, but... <laughs> But a lot of people would say you shouldn't allow a crying baby on a plane, but we do. Oh, now, do. yes, yes. But <clears throat> being under control, we're, I'm thinking safety here too, right? Mm-hmm. If the facility can accommodate the miniature horse's size, weight, and type, okay, and whether the miniature horse will not compromise safety requirements for safe operation for the whole of the facility and other members of the public. Now, keep in mind, miniature horses are much bigger than dogs. They have to follow more regulations to ensure that they are providing a safe service to their owner as well as people around them. Now, what can a miniature horse do? Well, service horses can be trained to work just like service dogs, according to the people mm-hmm. at the um, US Animals.org site. Um, miniature horses are best known for, for providing a specific service, like a, being a guide animal. 
Uh, they can help somebody who's blind or has visual impairment. They can also work well as an emotional support. They are less common as a service animal, but it's recently become law that now both can be working, both dogs and these, and these horses, miniature horses. They uh, provide excellent assistance as guide horses. They have the ability to keep their owners safe and thus provide safe support as a service animal. They get a lot of training. Uh, I don't oh, have, yeah. I don't have a, an estimate of cost down here, but you mentioned that it's well, I know that thousands of friends, dollars, right? Yeah, had a service dog that was specially trained by a nonprofit agency, which is part of the law here. I think it was upwards of ten grand. Yeah. So a lot of service horses will respond to their user. They'll pick up dropped items and medication, although I'm not sure what would happen if the medication were open. Uh, but they'll support them in public places, helping them live an independent life. Yeah. And, and the training, Bob, it does say, is more intense than training a service dog because horses are often easily spooked, right? So they need to become desensitized to these situations by working calming, you know, techniques through their distractions. This is to ensure that they won't become spooked in social situations. Therefore, they would then become unsupportive to their owner. So a lot of hours are needed to help train these horses and adapt them to their environment. And there's a lot of there's a close relationship between the person who is you know employing uh, a service horse or a service dog. Uh, in the case of horses, they live a long time, up to 35 years. They can work for 20 or so years, which provides support for a, mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Um, because they're at the right height, you know, uh, their hip height, they have strong, well-built bodies. They're ideal for someone who is struggling with mobility and can lose their balance. So to have the horse there is is a, a benefit for that. And they also um, uh, don't ha- trigger allergies like dogs often do, um, and they're easy to groom. They don't get fleas like dogs, and um, so you know that's good. They're they're very um, non-social compared to dogs. I read Bob. Um, Dogs are social and hyper, and although they are trained extensively so that they are calm when working, they still have a big social drive. No, miniature horses don't, and that means they'll happily stand quietly for a long time, unlike children, right, while working out and in the public without making a sound, and um, they're also very easily house-trained. So that that's just the start here, and we're not, we're not <laughs> selling any miniature horses on the air here, but we're just giving you some background here as, as provided to us. Uh, We're going to come back here and talk about some other service animals that are recognized in different parts of the globe. Uh, But also we want to point out that the term service animal is actually a specific designation, right, that comes from the ADA. uh, And it's not to be confused with some some other terms that are pretty similar to it. We're going to talk more about all of that, the distinction between service animals and emotional support animals, and what are the rules and the rights about each. People tend to use the terms interchangeably. We're not going to do that here. Also later, we're going to talk about the impact that new designations have on public space, on business, and on the wider population. Does the rights of one group affect the other? Oh, we're going to get into that next. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Hi folks, it's me again and I'm cooking in the sun just like you are. But you know, you can still plant those trees and shrubs right now and with proper watering still gain a full summer's growth. We keep our garden center fully stocked all summer long with thousands of good healthy trees, shrubs, evergreens, perennials and annuals because we know that some folks just can't get it all done in the spring. Also this time of year, there are lots of bargains all over our six acre nursery and greenhouses. We have potted rose bushes as low as $14.95, plats of annuals starting at $12.95, and hanging baskets as low as $6.95. We still have a great selection of Rose of Sharon, Boxwoods, Hydrangeas, and Barberry. So come out to 1309 Brant Pike, and remember we're open seven days. Wild Birds Unlimited The summer super sale is in full swing at Wild Birds Unlimited in Kettering. Exciting new products are arriving every day, and we need to make some room for them. So, for a limited time, you'll get 15% off all bird food, 20% off everything else with select items at 50% off or more. 
Hurry, don't miss the best deals on the best bird feeding products in town at Wild Birds Unlimited in Kettering at the corner of Far Hills and Stroop. It's the 26th annual Dayton Lebanese Festival, August 23rd through 25th. We're famous for our Middle Eastern cuisine and pastries, incredible dancing, plus rides for the kids. We're on State Route 741, across from Meyer in Miami Township. Five Rivers Metro Park 2nd Street Market is now open on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. This summer, enjoy fresh local produce from the Outdoor Farmer's Market, and then stop inside for lunch. Plan your next visit at metroparks.org slash local food. Some cloud cover this morning with some patchy fog and temperatures in the 60s and 70s. Partly cloudy this afternoon with a few showers and storms. Temperatures in the mid-80s. Then tonight, partly cloudy, warm, and pretty muggy. Temperatures in the lower 70s. And then tomorrow, the heat builds. We're in the lower 90s and the heat index in the upper 90s. Partly to mostly sunny. I'm Storm Center 7 Meteorologist Dante Jones on Dayton Severe Weather Station 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. 457-1290 if you'd like to share your thoughts or have a question today. We're talking about something more and more of us are encountering in our society. Perhaps you or someone you know currently employs a specially trained service animal. It's usually been a dog, but more recently, something else. Yes, the U.S. Department of Transportation, building on the Americans with Disability Act, has now stipulated that the service animal designation includes miniature horses and is actively encouraging airlines and other companies to accept travelers with these animals. And we're going to talk more about the designation of service animal here in the second part of our show. Um, But did you know that according to the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, a service animal is any animal that provides assistance to a person with a disability. They're a little different than something called an emotional support animal. Right. But service animals also perform tasks to help the owner function normally in various settings. This can be anything from supporting them while they walk to retrieving an item that gets dropped or even reminding them to take medication, although I'm not sure how that works. (laughs) Um, Traditionally, we think of a service animal, we think of guide dogs, right? Uh, They used to call them seeing eye dogs when you'd see somebody who was blind. Guide dogs for the blind and for good reason, right? Uh, According to the National Organization on Disability, the vast majority of all service animals are dogs, but there are actually all kinds of animals that assist people with disabilities. And this may get a little bit confusing, but we thought we'd share some of these other possibilities. Well, and these are the animals that could be a service animal. Right. It stipulates that word service. So we mentioned miniature uh, Horses. horses. What's another one now? Ferrets. Right? You heard it here first. Ferrets. Ferrets. Yes, they have the natural advantages of being easygoing, highly social, and easily transportable. I so, think I fit that category. Um, but And we'll talk more about what they're good about. At. You know, they do make great emotional support animals, Bob, since they enjoy burrowing close to their owners. And who doesn't need a good burrow? Yeah, someone? it can be extremely comforting for people who need emotional support. Mm-hmm. Here's one that I think a lot of people are going to like a lot. You do? Here we go. I don't know about this. <clears throat> Boa constrictors. They make great service animals, I've read. (laughs) This creature might not be the first animal you'd choose to keep in your home, but as Gloria said, they make great service animals. The snakes are known for helping patients with bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and panic disorders. And there are even cases when these snakes can be used to prevent medical emergencies. One man in Washington has a friendly boa that will squeeze him more tightly when it senses he's about to have a seizure giving him enough time to take his medication or go to a safer location until the seizure passes. Now, Who knew? Right, but now when they say they help with panic disorders, that may be for the owner. Now, if I ran into somebody <laughs> with a boa constrictor on an the, airplane or anywhere, basically, you anywhere. You would develop a disorder. I would develop the disorder. And they'd say, here, try this. It's just, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but to eventually, each his own. Eventually, you'll have a boutique and they'll say, would you like a ferret today or would, would you like a boa constrictor? Definitely so. develop a panic disorder. But anyway, everybody's got their thing, right? Right. What's another? I don't want to discriminate. Uh, four is, the fourth one would be parrots. Now, this is a popular animal for treating psychiatric disorders, namely because many species of parrot have the ability to talk to their owners and de-escalate them in stressful situations. 
So a great example of this is a man named Jim Eggers from St. Louis who relies on his service parrot, Sadie. The parrot has been trained to repeat the mantra. It's okay, Jim. Calm down. Jim, you're all right. Jim, I'm here to calm Jim down whenever she senses he's about to have a violent episode. He used to say the mantra to himself, but now with Sadie's help, he can preempt episodes even before they start. Sadie is also trained to alert Jim when someone comes to the door and when he leaves the faucet running. Well, this sounds like a wife to a husband. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, when you're reading, always... some of the, you're reading some of the quotes there, I was thinking about a line from from uh, Star Trek where Bones, the doctor, oh, yes. says, he's dead, Jim. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just, I make light. Anyway, here's another one. Pot-bellied pigs. I told right? you. When pigs fly, highly in, When pigs fly. Highly <laughs> intelligent and mild-mannered, pot-bellied pigs can be trained to do all the same functions as a traditional service dog except perhaps barking. The only difference is that they're far cleaner than dogs. Can you believe it? Whew, and they don't shed as much. Sounds like a pretty good bargain. Plus, this Aww. particular species is known for being good with kids. And there's one more on this list. I don't know how to pronounce this. Is it capuchin? Capuchin? Let's go with that. Capuchin. Okay, monkeys. Another very exotic service animal choice is the capuchin monkey. These little helpers are native to South America and weigh about 6 to 10 pounds. They are especially talented at grasping and retrieving, which makes them invaluable companions for quadriplegic and other disabilities that affect fine motor skills. These monkeys can perform all kinds of tasks. They can bring water, fetch phones, all chores, opening doors, and they can even feed somebody. So, so, I mean, so you yeah. know, we, we, we laugh about some things here. There's no question that obviously some of these animals have skills and people have been able to train them and so forth. What, what you're going to get into here, though, is this question of, you know, they may be animals that are good with disabilities, but do they classify? Are they classified formally as a service animal? And what does that mean? What are the rights and regulations and so forth and the rules for that versus anything else? It seems in some ways that uh, this could be a slippery slope kind of world. Exactly how much, for instance, an emotional support animal has to learn or do to qualify to become an official service an animal might evolve over time. Right. And will what happens in your home also apply to the public square? We're going to continue talking about all of this, plus dig into the question of how one person's right affects another's. We'd like to hear your thoughts on all of this, 457-1290, when we continue. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7. WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. This is the station Dayton turns to first for live team coverage of breaking news. WHIO Dayton Springfield. Your news starts now. Depend on it. It's 9.30. I'm Jonah Adi with a WHIO News Update. Our top story we're following this hour, getting new details about a stabbing in Logan County last night. Few showers and thunderstorms possible this afternoon. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Dante Jones. My forecast is coming up. Well, WHIO triple team traffic checking things out on those major freeways for us as well as the streets throughout the area. It's looking all clear as of this time. And it is our top story in Logan County. A, De a DeGraff teen is in custody in connection to the stabbing death of his mother. 16-year-old Bryson Caudill was apprehended yesterday afternoon. The sheriff's office says Caudill loved his school district there at Riverside and said keeping the school district safe was initially their priority. Sheriff Randall Dodd says more. At that point in time, we didn't know what his state of mind would have been. Obviously, it's not a normal state of mind. You know, he's probably running scared, what did I do type thing. And uh, we knew that uh, we didn't want him to go to school and maybe take somebody hostage. That mother is 36-year-old Crystal Caudill. No word yet on a motive. Well, Miami County deputies have a man under arrest after a drug bust in Concord Township. 19-year-old Alan Holter is in jail after deputies seized cocaine, hashish, marijuana, Xanax, and cash from a Swales Road home. Officers say Holter also has an outstanding warrant for trafficking narcotics. WHIO's Ron Otto with team coverage. In Vandalia, a credit union taking the opportunity to give to those impacted by the Memorial Day tornadoes. Abbey Credit Union announcing that it'll be giving up to $250 per family in deductible payments or home repair gift cards. Those funds reportedly coming from a grant being uh, from the Ohio, grant, Ohio Credit Union Foundation, which raises money at events and is being distributed to over 50 families. Well, let's get a look at that most accurate and dependable forecast with meteorologist Dante Jones. Some cloud cover this morning with some patchy fog and temperatures in the 60s and 70s. Partly cloudy this afternoon with a few showers and storms. Temperatures in the mid-80s. Then tonight, partly cloudy, warm, and 
pretty muggy, temperatures in the lower 70s. And then tomorrow, the heat builds. We're in the lower 90s, and the heat index in the upper 90s, partly to mostly sunny. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Dante Jones on Dayton Severe Weather Station 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. A current scan of the Doppler 7 radar looking all clear throughout the area. We are going to be keeping our eyes out for some chances of showers peaking up in the afternoon. But right now, it's 73 degrees in Troy, 72 in Springfield, 73 in Xenia, 75 here in Dayton at 932. With news on the hour, the half, and instantly when it breaks, I'm Jonah Adi on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Depend on it. Hi folks, it's me again, and I'm cooking in the sun just like you are. But you know, you can still plant those trees and shrubs right now, and with proper watering, still gain a full summer's growth. We keep our garden center fully stocked all summer long with thousands of good, healthy trees, shrubs, evergreens, perennials, and annuals because we know that some folks just can't get it all done in the spring. Also this time of year, there are lots of bargains all over our six-acre nursery and greenhouses. We have potted rose bushes as low as $14.95, plats of annuals starting at $12.95, and hanging baskets as low as $6.95. We still have a great selection of rose of Sharon, Boxwoods, Hydrangeas, and Barberry. So come out to 1309 Brant Pike and remember we're open seven days. Across the Miami Valley, school buses are back on the roads and your morning has gone from busy to very busy. As you get your kids ready for school in the morning, listen to WHIO Radio at home from your smart speaker as we help you prepare your family for the day and for your morning drive to work. Then, once you're in the car, listen on 1290 on the AM dial or 95.7 on the FM dial for local traffic reports. This is Sergeant Mark Bowron with live reports from the road, triple team traffic every six minutes. And weather updates every six minutes or sooner on your ride into work. Hi, I'm WHIO meteorologist Kirstie Zontini. Fall in Ohio brings the... You can also take us with you wherever you go listening in the WHIO app. Triple team traffic and Storm Center 7 updates can be found right here on 1290 and 95.7. 5.7 WHIO, Dayton's news and talk. Depend on it. Welcome back to There is a Season with Bob and Gloria. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan, 457-1290, to weigh in on today's topic about service animals and emotional support animals. Perhaps you or someone you know employs one. Perhaps you've encountered situations where these animals are welcome and sometimes weren't welcome. And if you're in a service profession, do you know how to deal with the particulars of what to allow and when and how to interact? 457-1290. You cover a lot in that invitation there, Gloria. And as we said at the opening of the program, miniature horses are now to be included as service animals on airlines. We've also talked about how there are these lines between service animals and emotional support animals. Or are they? That is probably the, the, the central question here that we're going to deal with in the next half hour. Uh, there's some, some overlapping about what's what. And uh, we're going to come to that in, in a moment because, believe it or not, there is law and guidelines in, in almost every state mm-hmm. on this whole thing. But uh, the broader thing we'd like you to think about also in, in, in delineating some of this is how does it impact people who are receiving the right or the permission to have these animals in any number of different settings? And then if you're somebody else who's on the other side who's been in a situation where you've experienced somebody bringing in a service animal of some kind, how did you feel about that? Do you think the type of animal matters? We read a whole bunch here just before the news about ferrets and boa constrictors and and uh, parrots and so forth, right? Right, right. And and are you aware or do you think that people might get into this sort of scam, scamming the system type of thing by using these animals, you know? And and when earlier in the show when we talked about the peacock, kind of jokingly, there was somebody that tried to bring a peacock on an airline not long ago. I remember that now in the news. So, you know, where are we going to draw the line, I guess? How do you feel about that? 
And, uh, you, you know, what do people do in various situations? If you're in the service industry in any number of settings now, airlines are one thing that is a confined space for a certain duration. The mission is for the plane to leave airport A and go to airport B, right? What about restaurants? What about other kinds of public places like libraries? What about uh, situations when there are kids around? Is that a plus or minus? You and, know? and this is where the whole, does the type of animal matter, maybe, you know? And, uh, and and who's going to, for me, Bob, I asked the question, what type of regulations are really going to be put in place, right? And when the government gets involved in something and, and stipulates something from the ADA or any number of different organizations, people immediately tend to think, well, now I have a right guaranteed by law or, yes. or because of a ruling. And one of the questions we're wondering here is where does somebody's right for something but up against someone's right to not have that, right? We went through this within the last generation about smoking, okay? And more or less, for commercial reasons, for other reasons, because of litigation, whatever, the, the whole smoking culture changed. There was a time, even when I was growing up, you know, in, in the 60s and the 70s, a lot of people smoked. And a lot of people went to restaurants and they would say, you, you know, want smoking or no smoking? Smoke or, and it yep. was irrelevant. There's a little divider between the two places. Right. But that ended up through a lot of litigation. And then eventually, I think uh, the, the market pretty much said, okay, we're not going to mess with this anymore. We're just going to go smoke free. And a lot of the smokers were told, okay, you got to go out by the dumpster now right. you know, if you want to smoke, right? So now we flip this on its side, turn it over. Is there going to be segregation on planes? So are, because of pets, are the animals right. going to be in one area so that people who don't like them, feel uncomfortable, or just don't want to just don't want to be around it, going to have to sit somewhere else? And is that segregation then going to be Either somehow could uh, be impinging just, upon right. the person who's got the disability who wants the first, animal in the first place? Right. A right. lot of this is not clearly spelled out. We're going to get to again some of the uh, the verbiage for the law. But we're looking at this in terms of practical application. Even if you were in a setting, let's say a restaurant, for instance, and somebody had a shiny laminated card that said, here's the definition of service animal, here's the definition of an emotional support animal, and you have a regular client who comes in there and starts making a fuss in the line about bringing in their llama. Or their boa constrictor or their boa or anything. Constrictor. Right. And you're that, that, that person at the host desk what who says, What do you do? Uh, I don't, well, you know. And how do you deal with the other people in the restaurant or wherever you are? There's there's just so much to consider here without being discriminatory on either side, right? What, what if you do Uber? Let's say you're an Uber driver and you don't like snakes and somebody you pick up has a snake. Do you have to take them or are you facing a lawsuit? So there, there's a lot of questions to consider here. Four, five, seven, twelve, ninety. Let's welcome Jane to the program. Jane, good morning. You have a comment? Good morning. Uh, you have just spoke on everything that is a concern of mine, and I work in the medical field. And that is true, that uh, you have to worry about everybody and then the individuals that are not <clears throat> that are not having a service animal are the ones that are trying to cause this havoc. Uh, looking at a way for a lawsuit, like you say, they carry the plastic cards, or they don't even carry a card. They're just looking at you like, what you going to say? The animals are untrained. When they come around, the uh, patients, other guests, stores, everywhere. But yes. should it be something legal where they have to have something? I uh, see there, when you do see one that has a jacket on or vest that says that, is it a way to prevent everybody from getting it? Well, so, I know for a fact, Jane, you can get a service animal vest online and you don't need anything. People are now getting them so they can take their dogs anywhere. Well, you solved the question right there. So now it's a bigger question. How can we keep them from doing that? Well, and even if Thanks you have even if you have a, a vest, right, even if you have somebody who's got an ID and they whip it out, my point is that the culture has not had the broader education, nor have many, many businesses even thought about this or made a decision. It's one thing for, you know, a news thing to come out about miniature horses, right? It could have been anything. It could have On been airlines, tarantulas. It could have been any animal, and it might have gotten some news press right. because of this situation with airlines. But I'm thinking of all kinds of other contexts where such a support, like you say, in the medical profession, are you going to have somebody uh, bring an animal into a hospital, into a sterile setting? Well, because then there's going to be all these studies about, well, it could, you know, pose people to this type of infection or blah, blah, blah. Allergies aside, there, it's going to open 
I, I don't know. It, it's just tough, right? This is a huge, wide window for controversy and litigation. Thank you very much. We have an encyclopedia of everything that we need to pros and cons to work with. Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Jane. you, Jane. Appreciate you calling. Four five seven twelve ninety. If you'd like to weigh in on this, you know we're not teeing off on anybody who's got an animal. No, like this. not at all. Um, but a lot of times when we when we kind of study these things, we want to say, well, that's fine, that's great. You had that idea, um, but you know how does how does your right affect me? How does your right affect me if in a place where I've also paid for the same service, and particularly in an environment like say an airplane? Yeah, that's tough. Let's say uh, you know I'm a business traveler and I'm I'm. I'm paying probably four times what you are for that seat, you know? Not always the case, but a lot of times it's that case. And and I sit down there and I'm, you know... Anybody. You, right. Yeah. But, but, and it doesn't have to be that they're they're uh, allergic, because I know there's a lot of arguments out there about animals being hypoallergenic and all that kind of thing. But if you're not comfortable being around a certain kind of animal, you're not comfortable being around a certain kind of animal or in that context, right? But if somebody says, I have a right to bring this animal on for me... What does that do to everybody else who doesn't have that? Now, I made a joke in the beginning about crying kids, right? <laughs> we have all been an experience, you know, when you've been on a flight and there's a child crying. And some people want to say, oh, you can't bring a kid or, on a flight, but you're not going to do that. Or anything, because we all have different tolerances for children. I was just on a flight where the kid continually sang his ABC song over and over again. Did it bother me? No, not really. Did it bother other people? Yeah, I could see in the faces of some. It's like, oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, well, at least they're not screaming. Right. right. We all have differences in what we are willing to accept. Therefore, yes. we are a litigious society where if we don't like what we're experiencing or what we're denied or what we're privileged to have, unfortunately, I feel that this is going to open up the doors for a lot of problems. Well, yeah, like I said, <laughs> you know, we have a ruling about miniature horses, but the bigger issue here, even though this, you know, supposedly this uh, uh, the, the the rulings and the thinkings have been around the better part of the decade. The, the question is, how do these happen? How do these things unfold for a practical right. uh, practical matters? And at what point do we start to accept them? Just like we have guide dogs for the blind. Most people accept that, right? Right. So how long will it take before we get to this point of accepting miniature horses? Now, under Ohio law and the Federal Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, which we've been referring to, people with disabilities may bring their service animals to all public accommodations, such as restaurants, museums, hotels, and stores. These laws also require those who operate transportation services to allow service animals. But how does the law define what a service or assistance animal is in Ohio? Well, Ohio has two different sets of laws, of course, on service animals and public accommodations, and they describe which animals qualify for protection differently. Now, under the Ohio Revised Code's dog laws... There are uh, dog laws. Yes. Assistant dogs, quote-unquote, are allowed to accompany people with disabilities into public accommodations. Assistance dogs must be trained by a nonprofit special agency and are limited to guide dogs that have been trained to assist a blind person, hearing dogs that have been trained to assist someone who is deaf or hearing impaired, and service dogs that have been trained to assist someone who is mobility impaired. Under this definition psychiatric service animals don't qualify, nor do animals trained to assist with other disabilities such as a seizure alert animal who assists someone with epilepsy, an animal that alerts someone with diabetes of low sugar, or an animal trained to detect allergens. And, uh, and we're going to be cautious about the phrase psychiatric service animals because that's, a, it, that's it really a, a third designation right. using the same language. We've got two big buckets in terms of our research we've come across service animals and emotional support animals as and the two big things psychiatric but a psychiatric service animal kind of straddles the line there now this gets more complicated another provision of ohio law in the administrative code that interprets the state's civil rights laws has a much broader definition of service animals and this law also applies to public com accommodations under the administrative code People with disabilities may bring all animal assistance into places of public accommodation. An animal assistant is any animal that assists a person with a disability. The examples provided include hearing dogs, guide dogs, and a monkey that could retrieve things. Because the definition of a disability in the administrative code includes both physical and mental impairments, 
This provision of the law appears to include psychiatric service animals, what are sometimes called emotional support animals, and animals trained to perform other services for those with disabilities. Right. And under the ADA, a service animal is simply a dog that is individually trained to perform tasks or do work for the benefit of a person with a disability. Now, in some cases, a miniature horse does qualify as a service animal under the ADA. The task or work that the animal does must be directly related. Now, this is key here, Bob, to the person's disability. You know, and Jane talked about that. So I I think that that's where in lies the problem. How do we identify a person's disability and how do we prove that a person has any type of disability? Well, and that's the definition that has become incredibly elastic. You see what I'm saying? What's elastic. a disability? It right. has. It's, you know, disability could be depression. Disability it, right. could be anxiety. Right. Uh, now, we we made the delineation into these two big camps of a, a service animal and emotional support animals, and there's this asterisk in here about psychiatric service which can fall under the emotional support right but of course it says now as we go on here none of the laws you know that cover pets um cover what are formally called emotional support animals is this confusing because how can you prove that you need emotional support unless you've been diagnosed with a mental illness such as a psychiatric disorder right now they'll say they can provide a sense of safety and companionship and comfort to those with psychiatric or emotional conditions. <laughs> Very broad brush here, it right? Is, right. And although these animals often have therapeutic benefits, they are not individually trained to perform specific tasks for their handlers. I don't know that burrowing counts as a specific task, you know, for or your Or emotional ferret, right? comfort, right? Right. I, I mean... It, it may be valid to have emotional com- comfort, but My best friend is emotional comfort. Doesn't mean that I can take him on a plane... And only pay a, a fee and try to shove him under a seat. I don't know. <laughs> you could try. Now, which public accom- accommodations must allow service animals? If we go back to this notion that it has to be in Ohio. an animal that specifically helps with that. Right. Hotels. And other lodging. Public yep. transportation, terminals, depots, and stations. Restaurants and other places that serve food and drink. Sales or rental establishments or service establishments. Any place of public gathering, such as an auditorium or convention center. Places of entertainment and exhibit like theaters and sports stadiums, gyms, bowling alleys, and other places of exercise or recreation, and recreational facilities such as, ironically, zoos and parks. That could cause some problems, potentially. Rouse up some of the other animals there. Um, Even libraries and museums and other places where items are collected or displayed publicly. Educational institutions, which would include, you know, schools and colleges and any social service center. So, uh, boy, that's a broad brush. Pretty broad brush. And and there are additional rules, and it varies state by state, about what's protected also within your private domicile. So there may be laws that apply to people. In, in, for instance, they can't be excluded in certain apartment settings, right? Even if it says no pets, you may still be required to allow somebody to rent if their animal is designated as helping with a disability. But where an animal moves from emotional support animal into a formally trained service animal is the slippery slope, in our opinion. And it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of this unfolds. Right. And, you know, certain establishments might not even ask you about your disability or your animal, but they may ask if your animal is a service animal and and which task it can perform. But that, there goes the whole you can get them online. I know it right. for a fact. And the, and the colloquialism of Ugh. service animal. People may learn a certain language, right. not realizing whether the, there's a formal legal uh, you know, distinction with that. Coming up, we've got a little bit more on this topic today, plus a look at what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, particularly on There is a Season. You're going to like these two programs, two great shows you don't want to miss. Stay with us. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's news and talk. At James Free Jewelers, we believe stunning design and excellent prices go hand in hand, and we never cut quality. Instead, we cut the middleman. Our own GIA certified gemologists search the world for only the best diamonds, and just 2% meet our standards. The other 98%? Well, they go to the middleman. James Free carries the area's largest selection of certified diamonds, plus the industry's top trade-up policy. 
all at prices and financing to get excited about. Stop in at 3100 Far Hills Avenue in Kettering or visit jamesfree.com today. For over 25 years, Ed's has been Dayton's go-to solution for all things electric. From electric panel maintenance to backup generator installation, no job is too big or too small for our team of skilled electricians. Whether you're planning a renovation or experiencing an emergency, Ed's is here for you when you need them. Our residential and commercially licensed electricians will work hard to find you the best and most affordable options to solve your problem right the first time. Ed's Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, Electric. One call does it all. At Jeff Schmidt Auto Group, we have seven state-of-the-art service facilities. All seven locations have modern waiting areas with free amenities. Or drop off your car and drive off in one of our complimentary loaner vehicles. If you're too busy to come in on a weekday, schedule a Saturday appointment or use one of our 24-7 drop boxes. Your car will be taken care of by one of our certified technicians who are always kept up with the latest training. From an oil change to a major collision, come to Jeff Schmidt Auto Group and experience the advantage. Why Greater Dayton Surgery Center? I would recommend Greater Dayton uh, Surgery Center because I didn't have to stay there for two or three days. I was able to go home right after surgery and that was very important to me. Five months after the knee replacement, I was able to play in a tennis tournament and I won. Greater Dayton Surgery Center is Dayton's only outpatient surgical center offering same-day joint replacement and spinal surgical procedures. Call 937-535-2200 or visit DaytonSurgeryCenter.com. Five Rivers Metro Park 2nd Street Market is now open on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. This summer, enjoy fresh local produce from the Outdoor Farmer's Market and then stop inside for lunch. Plan your next visit at metroparks.org slash local food. Some cloud cover this morning with some patchy fog and temperatures in the 60s and 70s. Partly cloudy this afternoon with a few showers and storms. Temperatures in the mid-80s. Then tonight, partly cloudy, warm, and pretty muggy. Temperatures in the lower 70s. And then tomorrow, the heat builds. We're in the lower 90s and the heat index in the upper 90s. Partly to mostly sunny. I'm Storm Center 7 Meteorologist Dante Jones on Dayton Severe Weather Station 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've got some great programs coming your way here. What's one of them coming up soon? We do. We're going to be doing a show on estate sales, and then we'll have another show um, on hearing and new hearing technology. What we're else? Al- we're also going to have our friends from St. Mary's Development Corporation come back. Tim Bede is going to join us to discuss social determinants of health as they relate to housing, technology, and healthcare. What are the stats that people look at with regard to those three things? Uh, it's an interesting conversation, and as it always is when when Tim's here. So uh, that's coming your way very, very soon. Uh, plus a lot of other good stuff in the pipeline. We'd like to uh, welcome a caller here. This is Harry. Harry, welcome to There is a Season. Thank you very much. You had an interesting comment about today's topic. Yes, sir. My question has to do with what responsibility does the person who brings the animal into the environment have to maintain total control of that animal in any uh impact it has on the people that are around them. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Well, you know, in terms of uh, a lot of the information we have here, uh, what what I've come across is an awful lot of rules for the organizations that have to accommodate somebody. With a true service animal. Right. With the true service Uh, animal. But I don't have a lot of information here with regard to the specifics of what people have to do to actually manage the animal. Right. And, And the reason the miniature horses are now being allowed, apparently, is because they are highly trainable and they, they don't cause a lot of the issues that people are concerned about. But but it is a key question, too. And uh, if who somebody, regulates it? That's, that's the yes, thing. And Who's again, regulating so, that? So think of all the different scenarios. I come back to the restaurant, right? You're a young hostess or whatever in the front. Somebody comes in with an animal. You don't know what it's classified as. You don't know what your current policy is uh, from a private em- employer perspective, right? A business that's owned by a, you know somebody who owns the restaurant. And, you don't know that what your public responsibility is. You don't know if the person is trained. Yeah, and I'm thinking of animal. liability, too. If a kid gets bit in a restaurant because he goes up and pets a dog, a cat, a horse, whatever it may be, we're not being discriminatory on animals, that restaurant may have a lawsuit against them. Hey, my kid got bit at such and such right. restaurant right. by a quote-unquote, service animal. Yeah. so That was allowed in. So, so the government comes in here and makes certain designations, and it, 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 I guess it caught our attention here when we saw the miniature horse and airline. Those two things kind of conflicted. But then we got to some of these other things on the list here. 
that people consider animals that help with disabilities, our question is, how long before somebody says, I want to bring my snake? I want to bring my spiders. I want to bring my chameleon, my gecko, you know? I mean, anything, right? Yeah. Like the peacock thing. I mean, how do you bring a peacock on an airplane when it spreads its beautiful feathers, Bob? There's a time. There is a season for peacocks. When pigs fly. I'm I'm sorry. That's going to be be gone here soon. When pigs fly also. Yes. Hey, if you missed it, by the way, um, we did our, our presentation at the SEEK conference for the College for Lifelong Learning at Sinclair. And we talked about our, it was originally our 4P philosophy, but we've broadened it out to our 7P philosophy that we've used here, I guess now as pillars for our, our program. We, mm-hmm. we need an A through this is slightly unbalanced. It might fall over. Uh, <laughs> but our philosophy uh, has to do with preparing, with pursuing relationship, with thinking of the possible, with a hunger for purpose, with also being proactive. Are you noticing the piece here? I think we are. The importance of being present, and of course the importance of prayer. That's kind of what is undergirds a lot of what we do here on, on this program and talking about change, aging, and care, and so forth. If you'd like to learn more about our 7Ps presentation at the SEEK conference, write to us, please, at Bob and Gloria at There is a Season Show dot com and we'll be happy to give you some notes on that and we also want to encourage you to check out the new website and spend some time with your friends and family reviewing some of our podcasts we've got them listed by date and by category and i'm told there is a lot more content going up on this site in the next several weeks it's at www.thereisaseasonshow.com and tell them bob and gloria sent you Yes, yes, we did. We're sending you to our own site. You know, uh, one of the things about the site that's kind of cool is, uh, again, we've talked about how people can find content. When you've got a show like this, we don't fit into a niche uh, quite as easily as perhaps a lot of other talk uh, radio programs. But we do have these seven or, or what are six or seven different buckets, categories of things that we've talked about. We also put the shows up there by date uh, to make it easy to find. And there's a search function on there as well. We encourage people to be able to say to somebody else in another part of the country, hey, go check out this site and look at the show from such and such a date Yeah. before you have a conversation. And about, every now you know, and then we throw out shows just care. that are in the news, like today, just kind of see what people are thinking and, We're you know, a whole section of miniature how horses. wide the conversation goes and what its implications are. That'll do it for us today. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other and we're here for you. For my dear friend and co-host, Gloria Shanahan, our wonderful producer, and everyone else who makes the show possible, thank you for being here. You've been listening to There's a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.